Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal with your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and cover power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with shot and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Yeah, all right. It's a science thing. It's a science place. It's a scientific fact. We are all up in your face. It is time for the one, the only, the home of the... Protonic reversal. Yes, 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 y'all. Yes. Tonight's... Tonight's episode. (laughs) Being a police story for anybody that uh, knows that show. Uh, Billy Gould. Billy Gould, uh, Talking Book, Faith No More, uh, Jehopia Huffers Band, MC Fu- MC Fifty, Bruharia. I mean, he's on that second Mel Cult record, even if it's just one song. <laughs> Dude's a legend. So, yeah, man, this should be a good one. We've we've talked about doing this for like uh, four or five years. Looking forward to it. So, uh, yeah. Without further ado, let's uh, let's play a tune. And uh, let's get into it. Here's something off of uh, Talking Book 2 by Billy Gould and uh, two other dudes.
So that's Thermal Drift by uh, Talking Book. Talking Book 2. And uh, right now on the phone we have none other than Mr. Billy Gould. How are you doing, sir? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Yeah, I just want to say I've been listening to the Talking Book record all day. It's really cool. Very heavy, um, like kind of 70s soundtrack vibes. If that Absolutely. Happens. Totally. Totally. It does. Film soundtrack, exactly. And this is the this is the second one. You actually did another one sometime back. Uh, it is nine on. years ago. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sometime back. You know, it takes a long time to do this stuff, and it's funny. It's, it's it's not really structured, but it is structured, and it's uh, you know, you think you know, it's tough enough being in a band and arguing and fighting all the time, but this this thing, like, we all get along, and it's like it's not ready till it's ready, and right. we know when it's ready, and so it's just crazy. Well, and you've added on uh, another. Do do we do we call it a, a talking booker? Like, what would you what would you call the member? Yeah, of this band? Dom. <laughs> so Dom actually, Dom is uh, he and Jerry, uh, my my partners, go way back. They've done a bunch of stuff together. They have a label called Gigante Sound. It's like this experimental label, and uh, they speak the same language. So when we started doing, we put up the record. It was just Jared and I, and uh, you know, we decided we we're going to start doing some live shows. Uh, it's, it's a lot of sound for two people. Right. And he was just like a perfect fit. And he's like, he doesn't know this. I mean, it wasn't even like a getting to know you period. He was just in. He's just another member of the band. Well, and that's, it's something where it, it seems like you have to have a certain commitment to vision, a sort of commitment to the bit. <laughs> to, to yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's uh, right. good to have someone uh, on board with the program, uh, so to speak. Totally. Totally. Well, this kind of music, I mean, it really is hard to kind of actually find people who can kind of sync on this kind of thing because it's very, uh, it's very subjective and it's very, um, you know, subconscious. It's like how it feels to you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's hard enough. I mean, shit, man, I've been so many bands trying to find a guitar player that I, you know, bonded with. And this is a whole other ball of wax. Yeah, and it's something where, and again, you say feel, it's something I was talking the other day to a friend about, John Carpenter, the oldest John Carpenter movies. Right, and, sure. And, and like how, like, oh, man, they're just so good at, like, evoking a feel. And sometimes it's just, like, just a dude with a synthesizer, you know? <laughs> there's, right, there's totally. nothing else, and, but he manages to do it. And it's, they, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's the beauty of it. That's right. So do you find that, um, are you scoring, like, a, a, a movie in your head when, when you're putting this stuff together, or is it more just kind of, like, finding that, that mood, moodiness? You know, it's kind of like sculpture, like visual sculpture, because you know you're getting somewhere when you start seeing things. Mm. If that makes any sense. It's, yeah, yeah. It's all of us. We start getting into it. We start seeing the vision, and uh, we, we realize that we're getting there. We're, we're locking into it. It's a really trippy thing. I've never worked like this in my life. And getting in with Jared and doing this was really a, a great. It was great for me because it made me look at approaching music and sound from a totally different perspective. Well, that's and interesting. I think, I'm hoping... Yeah, I mean, no, 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 sorry, soundtrack. go ahead. Yeah. No, it, no. it is soundtrack music. I mean, it's a way that it, it isn't, there isn't a film that exists, but we kind of discovered the film. We kind of, by making it, we kind of realized it, if that makes any sense. No, I, I, I totally get that. And I think there's... God, this has actually become a topic of discussion in a few shows lately, that I think that there's this kind of hunger right now for that manner of a uh, composition of music that 
you know, it may have already existed, but just the way that humans sort of operate within society now, uh, right. I, I think there's a, you know, there's not, hopefully there's a time and place for almost everything, but I feel right. like, you know, like I, I listened to it a couple times. One time mm-hmm. I threw it on, I was like just doing stuff, you know, around the house. And I was like, oh, this is good doing mm-hmm. stuff around the house music, which is underrated. Right. I gotta say, <laughs> 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 like as much as you want to be like, oh, this is, um, you know, the, uh, the, we actually think this should be, uh, you know, the Suspiria remake is going to be using some, okay, cool. Yeah, that's fine and important. But, you know, also like you're doing the dishes, do you want something to listen to while you're doing the right. dishes? Right. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, for me, like you do things because you're missing something too, right? Like there's right. something missing in my life because I need to do this kind of thing. And, you know, I mean, I think that this, the shift to computers has been a great thing for recording and for musicians, but I hear a lot of linearity and I hear a lot of like a lot uh, less imagination and more perfectionism, technical mm-hmm. perfectionism. And, uh, I miss the, the magic that I grew up with, you know, John Carpenter films, for example, right? Yes. Like that, that, that if they were evocative, right. And, mm-hmm. and so for me, it's kind of discovering that thing that I'm kind of feel like I'm missing, you know, I want to, I want to like music. I want to be inspired by music. So I kind of, I, we kind of went in that direction. Well, and it's it's not that you don't have a, you know, you, you have a history with that as well. Like, I mean, I was just thinking the other day about the, uh, the you know, your contribution to that, that one milk cult record that, you know. Oh, right. That That's true. People yeah. don't remember, which yeah. is fantastic. It's a, it's a really <laughs> cool record. <laughs> <laughs> and for those not in the know, I think at this point it's it's okay to sort of reveal the, the mystery that the Steel Pole Bathtub guys had an alter ego called Milk Cult. Right. And for the second record, Burned or Buried, they brought in uh, folks such as yourself, Billy, and uh, the Neurosis guys, and uh, Carla from uh, Geraldine Febbers and uh, Ethel Plow and all that. And a really just cool record that kind of works like a soundtrack but plays like a comp, almost, mm-hmm. <laughs> is probably the best mm-hmm. way to put it. And I, re- yep, yep. and I remember at the time, and you'll have to forgive me because it was... The, the internet was not uh, as it is now, and I was, I was a younger man. I was like, oh, that dude's from Faith No More and he's playing on this? Oh, this is, this is way weirder than I expected him to be able to do. Right. <laughs> I, I hear that. It's funny. I mean, we, I think as far as our... No insult intended, by the in, way. That says more about me. No, than no, not at all. No, no, no. I, not at all. I mean, it's funny. I, I hear that still, like, you know, I mean, I thought, you know, Faith No More, I mean, we've kind of, we've kind of taken some beatings for it, too. We've kind of gone in directions that people kind of wished we hadn't gone. Mm. We kind of pulled ourselves. And um, I would say we have a little more freedom than a lot of our contemporaries as far as, like, whatever, if we make another record, we can pretty much do anything, I would say. But people still think of me kind of as this rock dude. Right. But uh, that's cool. I mean, that's all right. It's fine. It's it's funny, though. It's funny to think about. Well, it's funny to think about. I don't think of myself like that way at all. No, no. And clearly you have a, 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 a story discography that, would kind of give proof to that lie if right. somebody were, were to try to say that. And even within the Faith and Work but, catalog, well, you don't go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, how long? I mean, that milk cult record, how old is that? That's kind of 20 Christ. years old, right? It's, it's, it's probably about 20 years old. I, I can't believe when you said that word, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> like it brought back a lot of memories. It's funny. That's all, well, that's all. Well, tell me about, uh, tell me about the making of that because I, I had uh, Mike on, years ago and i've actually been talking to, about having dale flatamon who's awesome he's doing a band called the hand now but 1994 uh-huh. by the way i just looked it up just okay so there you go okay 
<laughs> so what, what was like what was the process on that like now well i, I played on one track i mean but yeah. my roommate eric was one of the members of the band so eric Holland, yeah conco yeah exactly yeah exactly and uh i had a studio down in my basement where we worked on a couple of fake records actually um and he did some work down there and I, I mean, it's just you know san francisco was a cool world where there's a lot going on and a lot of people doing creative stuff and these guys were like you know eric being my roommate and, you know i was closer to it but uh it was, it was just a great situation, actually. Yeah. Real smart guys. Nobody was making a lot of money, but every, you know, really a lot of creativity, a lot of talent. Well, and it's interesting to... Oh, Christ, this came up when I was talking to Greg from Deerhoof, too, about uh, how kind of San Francisco used to be versus how it is now. And right. it's almost hard to describe. It's almost hard to describe to people that only have the frame of reference for what it is now. Of Like, no, it was like really... Like free is the wrong word because obviously everyone was still struggling, right. but it's God, it's, right. it was entirely different, and it's, it it's was sad. It, I mean, you know, I mean, because I live here, I still live on the same block. I've lived for the past thirty years, so all the landmarks are the same. And you know, if you don't think about it, it's the same place. But when I think about all the situations that have happened, say when I walk down my block. It's mind-boggling to think this is the same city that it was then, because yeah, it was really different, and it was—I mean, there wasn't any money here really, so <laughs> right. <laughs> you pretty much do whatever you wanted. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah didn't exactly. care what you did. It, it, it was—it was amazing, amazing time, and I can't believe it. When I was eighteen, and it was great, great thing to do. In, in retrospect, really formative, and, and, and my perspective comes from that day. Uh, fantastic, but yeah, now it's—you know—it's still got a little bit of coolness. I think if you're visiting, you've never been here before. You probably really like it, yeah. But it isn't what it was. What is? Yeah, it isn't like you could go to some, you know, warehouse space in the middle of nowhere that's no. like a bicycle rodeos going on and like see like <laughs> exactly three amazing yeah, bands. Yeah. And it's you know whatever times change et cetera et cetera. But it is kind of cool that well you know it's funny because actually last time I I saw you in person which is years ago was at the Parkside. And you were playing with Dale and um, Tim Moss. Oh, so you went to the show. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I actually stopped. I actually caught your base. And I stopped your base from falling on the ground when we were upstairs <laughs> like in the green room. And I was like, oh, shit. Like quick reflexes. Uh, but, but that was like that porn show, Men of Porn, uh, was definitely right. like a reminder of like, oh, yeah, like it used to be more like this. And then that reminded me also of the, the time before that I had seen you was with a Jell-O's band. Which was right. right, like right before you guys got back together as Faith No More. So that was like I think you were starting to call it Guantanamo School of Medicine. That's right, right at that time we had just recorded the two records, but I think the name was new. I don't think the band even had a name yet. Yeah, yeah, it was just like it's the new Jello band. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the dude from Victims Family is on guitar, and Billy's on bass. Exactly. <laughs> that was really fun too. I love those guys. Yeah, interesting band, and it was uh, th- that was you know great to see. And it was I hadn't at that time I don't think I'd seen you play. I don't think I'd even seen you play a small club, or at least let's put it this way: I wasn't aware right. of it at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I mean, obviously, you got you have a long storied relationship with you know the players, especially Mister Biafra. Uh, mm-hmm. the, did he just like be like, "Well, Billy, I'm going to need you to play some of these songs for me." Or what? He actually did. Actually, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Good. He was, uh, I was at, I think Ministry played at the Fillmore, and he was there, and he was getting ready to turn 50, and he just was going to do a, a gig for his 50th birthday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure, that sounds great. And, you know, 
he's pretty, he's pretty, uh, I would say what he's focused and motivated where he's just always, you know, writing, he's always coming up with stuff and, you know, there's, there's always more, more to be done, you know, which is great actually. And, uh, it just turned, I think it played in that band for about a year. Yeah. It was great. And then as that was sort of spinning up, then there was this, uh, alignment of the planets that things started to come together for Faith and More doing stuff, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, the amount of touring that was coming up with Faith and More, there's no way I could, I could be in the office. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, was it, just, it, it, it was the way it was. It would yeah. not have been fair to Jello, it would have been fair to everyone else. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, and they did, and, you know, they did fine. I can't remember what, what they get. Chemo from uh, Griddle? Um, yep. yep. Yeah, great player. Great dude. Totally. Totally. Uh, another lost old San Francisco band, Griddle. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so, how did tell, tell me how the? I, I'm super fascinated by when bands get together and do reunions. And I talked to a, a lot of bands and, and get different stories. Uh, you know, and, and like getting getting the story that isn't the the normal story. Like, you know, mm-hmm. for instance, the Pixies. Oh, well, we got offered a bunch of money and we decided to cash that check. It's like, oh, okay. Right. Well, good for you. That's right. fine. You know, I support that, but that's that's the story. Oh, okay. Because it kind of didn't I really mean, seem like you guys were gonna do that necessarily. Well, we're we're, we're very complex. We are a very complex stew of people. Yeah. Like a very a different collection of folks. Oh, absolutely, completely different. And I mean, we have, we have our history together, so we know each other really well. But we're really different, and it's kind of like uh, you know split up in 97 98 and it's 2009 and everybody was really went in different directions and and, and it just seemed like those things were really, you know they're kind of by rhythms kind of get back in sync for a bit <laughs> but i mean i don't think right, we worked yeah. out any of our real issues i mean i think we're just as complex now as we were when we split up the first time and uh we still i don't know it's uh it's still a complicated thing it, sometimes it makes perfect sense and sometimes it doesn't I mean, when it does, we do it, and, and we do play together really well live. So that's pretty cool. But we're 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 a complex beast. I can't really tell you what happened on that one and what will happen again. I can tell you my situation, but I don't. I, I really don't. I can't figure everybody out to be honest. Mm. Well, you almost don't. I guess you don't necessarily need to, as long as everyone's on the same page. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, when we do the gigs, everybody's focused and does a great fucking job, and we play well together. Yeah. So that that's great. I'm cool with that completely. And that's, I mean, to a certain degree, I guess that's almost enough, especially since there's a whole generation of people that never got to see it the first time, or yeah, you know, maybe they missed it, yeah, or, or whatever. So yeah, that's you know, that it, I mean, I think that's a great thing. I, I I don't think about it like that, but I, but it is a good thing what you were saying. It, if I think about things like that, I'm just going to go nuts. Right. Well, yeah, about, you I mean, know, generations you've never seen us, and then who am I? And who's this person? <laughs> it's it's a rat hole, you know. I, I kind of I want to I want to try to stay away from that, but I, but I know what you're saying. I, I, there's a lot of logic to that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you don't want to go too far with that. Otherwise, you're just one single no. infinitesimal speck in an ever expanding universe. And oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing exactly. <laughs> uh, so, but but it was interesting to me that. Uh, you know, at that point, you you have when you're coming back to music like that. I always love uh, talking to different artists and and being like, "What did you did you find anything new about some of those tunes? Like coming back and playing them, of like, oh yeah, yeah, this this I kind of forgot about this, or like maybe you had like a different context for it because you've done so much since then." 
That for sure. Uh, you know, it's funny. There's a lot of songs that never really quite felt right ever. Like they, they, they were like 98% finished. And uh, when we came back the second time to play them again, it's like we fixed them <laughs> it's like really quickly. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so it was, like a, it was like a rock in my shoe for years. And it's like, oh, why don't we just tighten this thing up? Oh, wow. Oh, that's way better. Oh, why didn't we do that in the first place? What, Maybe was, we got older and just, you know, it's different. We, we learned more. I don't know. What, was it something where, like, you, you just did, you know, age and wisdom was like, oh, you know what? Hey, before we move forward with this, like, this one part was always annoying to me. Like, is it something like well, that? Or? I mean, when you're making music, sometimes, you know, you have to really trust yourself. And you also have to be very critical because if something doesn't quite feel right, but you really want it to get done, you're going to tell yourself it's right. Mm. Even though you, it bothers you, it gives you anxiety. And uh, I'm thinking, like, for my, like, as a bass player, you know, I play with a drummer. You know, if the groove isn't 100% right, you know, sometimes we would just say, yeah, that's right. It sounds fine. It's, <laughs> it's fine. fine. You know? And, uh, you know, Fuck then it. I think about it, you're going back, it's like, I've always hated this fu- playing this fucking thing. And uh, it's like, well, if I move the kick drum over here, it's like, there it is. Thank you. You know, you're so, you, in a way, if you're not careful, you can kind of be in denial of, of your own, like, I don't know. You you have to really pay. It's it's, it's a certain. You don't want to be too critical, but at the same time, you really have to listen to it, like that. You're really getting something that you're doing. Well, it's 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 almost like you don't want to be too critical, but you don't want to look at it with rose colored glasses necessarily either. I mean, I think there's a... either. No, you do not want to do that. No, no. <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't want to dislocate like a shoulder, patting yourself on the like, back or nothing. So. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, with the talking book. I mean, with the sounds that we had, we could have just like throwing the faders up and you know i mean the sounds kind of work together a little bit it wouldn't have taken us six or seven years to make yeah but uh it would have been fucking great you know but uh you know the fact is you know we really that's one thing we kind of did was like it's got to feel right it absolutely has to feel right and, and that's that's you know it, it's more work but but I, I definitely can let it go now i'm happy with it that's good and, and do you feel like that's that's just like a, a growth thing like, do you feel like that maybe wasn't the case yeah. back in the day? Well, you know, it's like you're always put to the test, like how bad you really want something, right? I mean, there's always compromises. There's always choices, right? You never get, nothing's ever perfect in this world. So you're always like, you know, changing your, you know, your level of where you're, where you're willing to settle. And, uh, I mean, everybody does it. Uh, it's just, I mean, sometimes like something like this talking book, it's not going to sell a million records. It's not going to be huge. But what it is going to, what it can do is you can take the time where you don't have any kind of pressure like that and you right. can actually get something that you're satisfied with. The record company isn't yelling for the, for the single. No, I would, it never <laughs> would for this kind of music. Never. Never in a billion years. It is completely personal. Right. And it's for the people that it's for. And that's something that yeah. I think is actually increased in value in the world uh, now because there's ways of audiences more easily connecting with it. That you know, there, there's so. a lot of value to that. I mean, Christ, this whole fucking show is <laughs> based on that idea. <laughs> so, right? No, that's true. Actually, yeah. Well, you would know, right? You would know. Uh, but I mean, that said, like it, it is, um, it, it's something where you know, there's obviously no guarantee that, that the thing will find its audience, but it's always a right. you know a pleasant surprise if and when it does. Right. And, and it right. allows you and, and trust. To have the gatekeepers largely out of the picture, even though there are some new gatekeepers, is uh, you that's know right. that, that's a, that's a 
I mean, it's hard. Again, it's hard to describe to like people that didn't grow up with it. It's right. not how it used to be. <laughs> right. That's right. I mean, we were lucky that we actually, you know, grew up with, with some kind of, we learned some kind of standards that personal standards with, with what we do and what we make that I think uh, we can be responsible with and we can kind of show people, you know, you can hold, you can hold up, you can hold quality up. You can, you know, you can hold out for maybe might make it a little less out of it, but, but the, the work stands for itself. I mean, there's right. something to be said for that. Well, and that seems to be like a unifying factor too. And I think right. that's, you know, important for artistic fulfillment, but I mean, it's also good to have context as well. And, and you know, speaking of context, like I just remembered that, uh, the MC 50, that was amazing. Holy crap, man. Like, Oh, did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. My dude, Brendan oh, cool. on drums and, um, what an all-star awesome. lineup. Like you, uh, Kim from Soundgarden and freaking yeah, Marcus from Zen Gorilla. Oh, I know. Awesome. Right. It was really fun. I gotta say, I love those guys. Absolutely love those guys. That was a great thing. So, so how did that come to pass? Did like Wayne just like you know call you up or like you know send a freaking bat signal or something? Like what? <laughs> no, so they 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 already were doing shows, uh, and they had the, the guy from King's Axe, Doug. He was playing, and I guess it wasn't working out. I mean, I didn't know. I saw when they were doing the gigs, and I was like, oh man, because I knew Wayne already. Yeah, he was a friend of mine for, for a while already, and. and I love the guy, and I loved MC5, obviously. Yeah, and, okay. um, So I was like, oh, man, I was just thinking, I would love to have done that gig, you know? And uh, when I was, like, going outside, I'd run the store, my phone was ringing, and uh, I just picked it up, and it was like, hey, Bill, it's Wayne. Yeah, hey, Wayne, how are you? Hey, we need a bass player. Uh, can you do it? We're touring for three months in about three weeks. And it's like, Shit. Like, what am I going to say? No. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what is funny is that call is what people who don't play in bands think being in what being a band is like. And it's right. and, and just to be clear, it's not usually yeah, like true. that. It doesn't work like that. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Just like, you know, divine providence as scripted out for, you know, the second act for a movie. Right. Uh, I mean, really. Well, and Christ, it's it's Wayne Kramer, and and like to have the the opportunity, but also the pressure of of playing those songs for like what's like the fiftieth anniversary. Oh, tell me about it. I mean, thank God when we got to Detroit uh, because we played on the night of the fiftieth anniversary in Detroit. So, thank God we had a couple months of touring under our belt before we got there, and I was completely comfortable with the material. But you know, it was. You know, when we're going into this thing, I was like, shit, man, that's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility there to not fuck this thing up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have people who've, like, waited their entire lifetime to see these songs played live at all, or that, like, you know, they grew oh, up yeah. with these songs, you know, like... It was really a thing. That, no doubt about it. It was really a thing. And it's funny, you know, I mean, Wayne, what, he's 70, he was 70 years old then, maybe 71. And, uh... I mean, he's amazing. We see something live. I mean, the guy's still just like completely on it. He and, can, uh, I, man, that dude can move too. For a man his age, I mean, even not for a right. man his age, I'm like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's like James Brown still, stuff. Like, I mean, we got, yeah, totally. We get to Detroit, and there's still like the old school, like right over and stuff. Like, Seventy year old people still, you know, like camps and like it's, it's trippy to see. I guess you don't outgrow some stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, for something like the MC5, it's just as much a lifestyle as a genre. It's a lifestyle, completely, <laughs> completely. This one guy came to one of our shows, an old guy, gray hair, with like an army jacket, and somebody said, hey, were you the guy 
that bombed the CIA headquarters? You the guy that did it? He said, well, you know, if I said I did it, you'd think I was bragging. If I said and I didn't, you'd think I was lying. So I'm not going to answer that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of people you meet on that tour like that. Yeah, that's when you just go, okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair. <laughs> well, and that tour was so crazy because I was, you know, very familiar with everyone in the lineup, and it, you know, obviously, like Brandon Canty's, you know, well known for Fugazi, one of my favorite drummers. But right. it's like, oh yeah, that guy's a, a like a badass rock and roll drummer too. That's like beyond Absolutely. just what he did in Fugazi. Like people don't realize, like that's. You know, that's, I think, like, that second MC5 record is, like, one of, like, the records he, like, kind of learned to play drums to or something along those lines, you know? like Completely, completely. I mean, you know, it's really funny. I mean, I didn't, I'd seen Fugazi a lot of the couple times. I never met Brendan, so I didn't really know them. We kind of, I kind of came up from the same period of time, but from opposite coasts. So, yeah. it never really, you know, our paths never crossed. And, you know, I, I thought, I'm okay, well, so we're going to play in the, you know, sense of the Fugazi guy, you know? Man, Brendan, it's like we actually grew up in the same kind of era. We have so much in common, and, and, and he's a super well-rounded guy. He's like, you, whatever you think a guy in Fugazi's like, he's not that guy. He's 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 a very complex human being, really interesting and really knowledgeable. I, oh, absolutely! I, it was it was a pleasure getting to know him. Hilarious dude, too. Like just uh, totally amazingly completely. amazingly hilarious, and and just one of the genuinely <laughs> most. Like exactly. when he asks you a question, he's genuinely interested in the answer, which yep. I think was, if that was more common, <laughs> I think, I think the right? world would be a better place. I would say. But I mean, of, of all the people in the, in the lineup, you know, and obviously Kim from Soundgarden, like that guy's a monster player that right. Uh, right. You know, is amazing as well. Like the fact that, because Zen Gorilla is a band that when I first moved to the Bay Area, because I'm from, I don't say this often, but I'm from the Central Valley of California. Okay. I'm, from, I'm from Modesto, okay. the Kansas of okay. California. Right. <laughs> like coming to the Bay Area, like Zen Gorilla, Zen Gorilla is a band like you see all the time. And I was always amazed. I'm like, right. how does that guy jump so high? And then like, right. oh my God, that guy's <laughs> such a great front man. Like, you know, just like yeah. not having any frame of reference, you know, just be like, oh, I better get this, better get this single on Man's Ruin. And, you know, not even knowing that would be a historical anomaly. But the fact is like, that's something where it's like, oh, wow. Those are like such big shoes to fill. Fucking Marcus. Totally. Marcus could I do know, that. Right? He, and he did it. He did it. He did it. He was great. Absolutely. And you know what? He really did it with respect, and he, he didn't cheat at all. He was fucking amazing. Yeah, I felt like it was definitely something where like, <laughs> like all the old heads that were maybe waiting to like be bummed out by that were like, hmm. Yeah. They all were, right. Hey. <laughs> All of the guys in the band, all of them, you know, they, they, I mean, the, the guys in the MC5, they go back, I mean, the music goes back 50 years, the guys go back 70 years, and so there's a lot of, you know, every single member of the band had these expectations, and, it, you know, we didn't play exactly like they did, and we didn't try to, we just kind of, but, but, but it was obvious, I think, hopefully, that we treated the music with a lot of respect, and we didn't cheat on it, you know, right. we, we gave it everything we could, like the way those guys did, and that's, I think worked. I didn't get a lot of negativity, and I was ex- I was wondering if we were, and I wouldn't have actually faulted them if they did send some our way because it's it is their big shoes to fill. Yeah, I mean, almost impossibly so. Like, how would you? almost impossibly so? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so no. I'm I'm alive to say I did it. And I got out <laughs> with a fucking piece. <laughs> 
<laughs> you, you got the t-shirt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and, and of course, Faith and Moore's not, was no strangers to playing like big shows and things along those lines, but. You, you've done a lot of stuff since then. What, what I mean, what's the thing that you wish you could impart? The wisdom you wish you could impart to other bands that, not that there's necessarily any bands like in the same position to be right. like how Faith No More hit now, but just right. you know, giving advice to an imaginary younger band that could probably use it, or even like to yourself back in the day. Is there any advice you could think of? That's a really good point. I mean, you know, it's not like I go out as much as I used to, where I used to live going to gigs, you know? Uh, so I, I can't really, uh, I'm going to talk out of my ass if I, if I, if I really give too much real advice other than, uh, if you do something, you really, you know, you have to see it through. I mean, we, we were a band that, you know, was kind of weird, couldn't play with anybody and we did the van thing for years. And, you know, I mean, actually it's funny because, you know, we're all sitting here quarantined, right? You know, and, and uh, you know, can't, I, I haven't left the house myself probably for two weeks now. Yeah, man. And, uh, <laughs> it's, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, I've toured in a van, man. That's way harder than ah, this, you know? You know what? I didn't even I didn't even think about that, but it's actually it's somewhat touring t- in a van. Similar, yeah. But that's, I would tell the kids, you know, this quarantine, if you can do this, you can do anything. I mean, this isn't bad, actually. Hey, you got internet, uh, you got actually, the TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is this is like a piece of cake. What are you crying about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, if you're willing to do that, you know, do it. I mean, to be honest, you know, when it was really hard, that really sucked. I guess I would say, you know, if you're really into what you're doing, you don't notice those things that are so hard, right? Because you're getting so much more benefit out of it than the hardship. So, if you find something that you really want to do, I think the hardship isn't something that should scare you away. Well, it's almost like if if you just make the journey the destination, then you'll that's be okay. It. Well, they, and that's, that's great advice, except that when somebody says that to me, it, it doesn't quite sink into me the right way. Like, I'm always, fuck the journey. I want the destination, <laughs> right? <laughs> when are we going to be there? God, God damn I mean, I, but I, I agree. I agree. The principle is correct. Uh, but it's more like, uh, you know, if you, yeah, I guess. It, but you, if you can choose the journey, choose the journey that, where you don't care about the destination. Maybe that's mm. how I would say it. Good. That's good. I like that. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get that engraved. We'll uh, make up some doilies <laughs> and uh, <laughs> some macrame, perhaps. All right. Uh, so it's, it's, it's so interesting to me. And you realize I got to come at like I'm coming at as a casual fan uh, of Faith and More, mm-hmm. like, and I saw you play yeah. actually on that when you very first got back together, and I was stoked you played that Sparks cover because Sparks is one of my favorite bands of all time. Oh yeah, one of the greatest ever, absolutely. So great. I mean, if we could just like this could be a podcast where like Billy and Conan talk about Sparks, and I would be totally okay with that. But... <laughs> cool <laughs> to talk about being narrow casted, you know. Right. Uh, but it's interesting to me that with the different lineups of faith, no more, uh, the different mm-hmm. personality and, and different creativity mm-hmm. and different things that the members brought, uh, es- especially the guitar players. Mm-hmm. So as mm-hmm. a, for instance, uh, you know, like Jim Martin, right. Right. Brought a completely right. different thing <laughs> to, oh, yeah. to the table. than the other guys did, and it, it kind of brought out it, it, while there's a there's a through line 
through all of it, it definitely mm-hmm. seems like you know there are different epochs of absolutely of, of, of different folks like playing guitar. Like you know, you had that's right, including the record with Trey, who I had on my old show. Right, right. compelling and fantastic figure. Like just what, a, like what a cool guy, right? Right, right. Um, but yeah, ta- I mean, talk to me about I, I guess as as more of a vague terms like uh, you know you know John versus Jim. You know, versus oh boy, like, like yeah. all these different dudes. You know, uh, very interesting. Very interesting. I would say, well, we had we had probably five guitar players before Jim, believe it or not. Oh my god, we went through a bunch of them. And uh, the first show we ever did, the guitar player from Crucifix was our guitar player. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So we went through. We went through a lot. Uh, and so when Jim came in, be honest with you, we kind of wanted to do something that was felt a little heavier. Like our drummer had kind of came from, you know, a Black Sabbath background. I was more kind of Black Flag guy, but mm-hmm. Teddy was cool, you know. And um, You guys could meet in the middle of my he, war, maybe? <laughs> yeah, that's when I started losing them, actually. Oh, okay. that, that was a little too sludgy for me. But um, but they, so Jim was the guy that Mike knew in Hayward, you know, and, and, and we had to get this guy who really was coming from, he didn't come from San Francisco at all in, in any sense. And, but he brought this kind of animal thing that I think that uh, we were really missing and we wanted. And it, to tell you the truth, this band for me got different because I never thought I'd be in a band playing with a guy like Jim ever. Yeah. Uh, but it worked, and actually I learned a lot from it. It really uh, it gave me a great perspective. And, and well, we played. I mean, we actually worked together really well. Uh, he had a great tone. He was very deliberate. Uh, he was a very stubborn individual but uh that's part of you know what you bring to your instrument too right mm-hmm. uh so there was some some great things about it i mean when it got to a point where we wanted to kind of uh do something that was i don't know we were getting pulled in some kind of strange directions i don't know if he was so on board with that and that's kind of where the friction started um the next guy after him was trey who I, like, I knew from Mr. Bungle and only right? really from Mr. Bungle at the time. But yeah, like I, I mean, Trey can do whatever. He he's yeah, exactly. He wanted to play. He can do it. That dude is like he's the wild like, wizard like, of music. Yeah. <laughs> like we want to kind of do this with a song. He goes, you mean like this? Yeah, exactly. Wow. You know, huh? You just, you just pulled that out of the hat. Huh? All right. He, he was amazing. <laughs> he, just, he was, uh, he didn't, he was still trying to figure us out because, you know, we're, we had a lot of history with ourselves and, He's trying to figure out what, what works for us taste-wise. I, I think he was coming from a little bit outside, but what we were doing, he got it when we explained it, and he fit completely great. And, um, you know, he's, yeah, he's a super pleasant, chill guy to be with, so it, that was really, that was cool. And that was, he was the uh, the King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime record, is uh, Trey, right? Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And after that, Dean, we toured with, but um, we didn't write with him. And he was kind of like, he was kind of like one of us where he was one of our crew members, actually. When Jim was out, he kind of came in and he knew the songs. He played guitar on the sound checks because Jim didn't want to come to sound check. So <laughs> that's, we knew we could play the songs. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, uh, the John is kind of like a mixture of both guys. John can do pretty much whatever you want him to do. Like Trey, he kind of has that, that kind of versatility. Uh, and he kind of, um, but he's more, he's more rock centered, like Jim was. So there's somewhere 
he's more eclectic, but but more leaning in that kind of world. And uh, I mean, uh, another guy that like you know, as far as working with him, he's great. I mean, fantastic. Yeah, and, and I mean, coming out from the outside and just being like, oh, I wonder how they're going to approach. You know, scientist hat on and like lab coat. Oh, how are they going to approach all this different material? Oh, some of it doesn't necessarily feel like it would fit together well. Mm, let's see what well, they're doing. It's so funny. Wait, we went through a lot of great, great guitar players. I mean, really good, well respected that like somehow just didn't click with what we were writing. I mean, so we were looking for guitar players. And we, you know, like, I mean, guy Jordy from Killing Joke, like, uh, I mean, the dude's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, that guy's okay. One of the best guitar players ever. He's getting right? good. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, He's, his personality was so strong in his writing that it's like we sounded like Killing Joke, right? Because right, right. he's a monster, and it just wouldn't work. I mean, it could work, but it wouldn't be us. It would be and, different. Uh, yeah, it would be it would be a Killing Joke cover band in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, it just but it's, it's a shame because the dude is, he's probably one of the greatest guitar players I've ever seen. Just getting a guy you're hanging out rehearsal and just watching him play and just seeing what comes out of him. Oh yeah. He's a natural. He's a complete, he's, he's a, he's a machine. But, uh, that was, that was, I was really wish that would have worked out. But the point is that, you know, chemistry is a tough thing, no matter your abilities or whatever. If you don't, if it doesn't quite fit on this kind of more subconscious level, it's not going to work right. Right. Well, and that's something like, where ability. It, it seems like the, the alchemy required, <laughs> to make faith no more happen is so delicate. Like one imbalance of like the wrong so element, it's just everything so explodes. Delicate. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's exactly, and that's exactly what happens. Actually, that's exactly what happens. It's very hard to maintain that delicate balance. Always. I mean, it's, when, it's when, exhausting when, to be honest with you. <laughs> it is your words. <laughs> it is. I'm sure. but, no, it is. It is. It's exhausting. But but I mean, I would say that when it does work, though, it is really something bigger than the numbers. You know. Well, absolutely. It does create something that you couldn't do on your own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and and then, so talk to me about what was it? it was two thousand nine where everybody came back? Like you're you're playing with with the with with Roddy, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it had it been like what? How long since you had played with Roddy at that time? Like some, <laughs> I don't know, twelve years, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no big yeah. deal. Uh, <laughs> and, and again, you got all these. These different, like, you know, it's like the Magnificent Seven, right? You got everybody right. in the room. Yeah. <laughs> right? It was. It kind of was, yeah, actually. Funny to say that. You know, my, Mike's, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, hold on a second. I got to just, uh, you know, record the Spaghetti Western soundtrack and then uh, sing on this death metal record, and then I'll be right there, you know. like. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, did you have any reticence about doing it? Of like, oh. Absolutely. Completely. <laughs> Yeah, it's a personal thing. I mean, I like to have done before, and I, I, you know, you don't see somebody for twelve years. You're thinking, well, maybe they're different now, and you know, what are they? Why are they doing this? And what are they going to get out of it? And uh, you know, are they going to respect what you know? If we do this, I mean, there's a, there's a I mean, let me think about a way to say this. You know, you put a lot of big part of your life into this thing, and you really, I kind of felt that we did some really took some chances that didn't always work out, but there's something about the risk that we took and, and that we kind of came out intact somehow. And, uh, I would always want to think that we'd have that element to us. And, and, and when you don't see somebody for 12 years, you know, somebody's just hard up on cash and they just want to you know, make some money and they're not really yeah. respecting what you did before. I mean, there's a vulnerability there because you're only going to find out once you get in front of about a thousand or 5,000 people. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Oh, yeah, no pressure. So there's yeah. a lot of trust. There's a lot of trust there. And uh, I had some issues with that because I'm like, well, what, why? What are the motivations? What's the deal? But uh, I, it all worked. I mean, everybody was, they did their job. They, they were, it, I was pleasantly surprised. It was the best case scenario. Right, right. Because there's so many, if you do it as a choose your own adventure, oh, shit. there's so many ways you could yeah. end up dead yeah, on the thing is, if it goes, If it goes to shit, you basically, then that means that your earlier part of your life kind of was shit. Yep. Right? Well. <laughs> I mean, all of that suffering in the van, all of those fights, all that shit you went through was all for nothing because at the end of the day, it all went to shit. Yeah. Like, nobody wants that. Totally. But it, it is the, the rare example where you held the creative angle and stayed true to yourself, but also provided something that, you know, was really vital and and cool for people we we did our best we did our best i think we did i mean it's a battle but yeah i I think we went with those intentions and i think we did pretty good so this many years back you know the the first record is what 85 86 something like that yeah yeah 85 probably yeah recorded in 84 and and at the time i was really busy being seven years old so sorry if i didn't get that uh, (laughs) but the that era, the, the Mosley era of Faith No More, the influence that Faith No More begat wouldn't necessarily be the thing that you'd be creatively aligned with in a lot of ways. I'm, I'm trying to be very delicate about how I say this. Don't be delicate. Just say it. <laughs> so a lot of people, a lot of bands that were into Faith No More are pretty fucking terrible. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, okay. That's, I understand. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and it's something where, you know, you can't be responsible for... And I'm not just talking right. about like that era. You can't be responsible for what you I know you're saying. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. But does it right. ever like, you know, is that something where has there ever have been any like, you know, kind of rough epiphanies of just like, oh, uh, you t- you, you're you doing that, huh? And this is, okay. okay. Well, somebody shows you kind of a bad, unflattering picture of yourself, right? Where they get all the vulgar parts of it and they shove it right back in your face. And then, okay, maybe they got some elements, but you know, like some of the more flattering elements are kind of missing, right? <laughs> right, right. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I remember me just being on the bus and people would drop off demo tapes. You know, all these slap bass demo bands. Ugh. Like God, you Ear know, they're, they're called. We're doing this funk metal thing. Here's you know, here's a demo. What do you think? And I was like, sometimes I have to sit there and drink a beer and listen to it with the people. You know, like I'm like, God damn it, I hate this stuff. Did I? You know, like I don't have anything to do with this shit, but. You know, it is, I mean, it is flattering. You're right. It is. Yeah. But, and you kind of have to let it go. You know, I think anything that keeps people inspired, if you're inspiring them, great. Good for them. Whatever it takes. Quality of life. Yeah. That's, that's a very, um, that's a very Zen way of looking at it, I think. And it has to be. You're going to go crazy if you don't look at it. Like <laughs> exactly. <that. laughs> you have to. It's a coping mechanism. <laughs> so, so what's, of, of the men, and you've recorded a lot of records. You know, we we didn't, we didn't even, um, you know, we haven't even touched on any like you know a quarter of it necessarily. But when you think about mm-hmm. what you want to get out of, you know, like a live performance performance versus a recording, what kind of things mm-hmm. do, you, do you think of? <laughs> live performance is like 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 boxing. It's like professional boxing, where you kind of go out in the ring and you're either going to get your ass kicked or you're going to kick their ass. Right? That's how I look at it. So it's very physical and it's very focused. It's very, very like, it's very about coordination and thinking really quickly and on your feet. That's really different than recording. Recording is like 
connecting with a part deep inside yourself that's uh that it's not easy to pull out it's not easy to get to you have to take a lot of different approaches to you get to you get there uh so they're completely opposite actually completely but you've done a lot of both and so yeah yeah and, and it's, it's, it's like a big seesaw actually i mean so you know the real thing got really popular that we were you know on tour for like a year and a half and you know we got off the road and we were freaking exhausted and they're like okay guys you're gonna need another record now you know and uh i mean warner brothers was like when's the next record yeah i mean it's really it is a real gear shift it's a really different way and i, I mean i've always had a hard time writing music while i'm touring because it's a mindset is more about like being like more like a professional athlete or something, you know, and keeping in, keeping focused. And, uh, that doesn't really, that's not how I write music. I don't write music with that mentality at all. Kind of being relaxed and letting, letting the world kind of talk to you a little bit. Right. Opening, yeah. opening yourself up. And that kind of goes back to what you're talking about, you know, with the talking book stuff of, of exactly. Yes. C- yeah. Kind of following that thread there and trying to find, Trying to find the thing, trying to find the mood, trying to, trying to, uh, if not waiting for the lightning to strike, trying to like create the atmospheric conditions for lightning. Right. So it was really interesting, actually, about talking book. Uh, you actually, and the thread we're on actually is really interesting thing. I'm just realizing is when we started doing live shows, I didn't like it uh, with talking book because. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> okay. You know, yeah, you know why? Because I didn't get it because it was kind of like. The, the way we went into recording, we went into playing live. It wasn't like a Faith and Morgan where you go up there and you just kill them, right? You just pound them to death. Oh, sure. You, it's a different uh, approach. You yeah. have to, you have, it's, yeah, it's, it's more like this creating recording in the studio with people watching, right? I didn't feel really comfortable with that in the beginning. It, it's, it was different. And, uh, yeah. And, and now it's, it's cool. But, uh, <coughs> that's, that's, that really, uh, the line between performing and writing with talking book. It's not quite so clear cut as it is like with with a band like Faith and Well, and you you don't have a a Marcus or a Jello or a Mike Patton to hide behind too. You know, it's sort of like I guess that's true. I guess that's true. But you're you, but you're also creating because there's so much. It's not improvising, but but it's loose. Yeah. And you know, it's either you connect or you don't connect, and you're always like trying to like listen and and connect there's a lot of pressure when people are watching you do that it's one thing doing it in a studio right you know with the tape rolling <laughs> but when you got an audience another thing when the, you know, people bought tickets and they're watching you you know like i can't shit. remember who i had on and it was a really long time ago but someone someone said it's like a spinning plate act sometimes and uh that, oh, yeah. that, that always kind of stuck with me i'm like oh yeah because if you if you you know you're pay attention to this if you, you know but yeah but don't stop paying attention to that because then the plate's gonna fall and <laughs> right yep it's it's a trip it's a trip so uh real quick and, and billy's been great talking to you yeah uh tell me about cool arrow uh it's been what's it like 2000 or so 1999 or i think like? around 1980 yeah 80, 99 yeah so yeah going on 21 years so what it was when it started was it was the more i toured a lot i toured a lot all over the world and I mean, there was a there was a time when kind of records. There was amazing bands all over the place, and right. I was only discovering them because I was on tour and people were giving me 
records. Yeah, and some of them are good. No they, way for, of getting every... released. Some of them are fucking amazing. Some of them are better than anything coming out here, right? Right. So and for, for every like, slap bass funk Odyssey record, you know, there's gonna there's gonna yeah, be something right. Exactly. Too. Oh yeah, amazing <laughs> slappers everywhere. Yeah, you see, you know, the, the Finnish style of slapping is I can't even describe it. But um, there was there was a it, it kind of made me realize like what an export country is for culture, but there was no importing coming in and. and America's always kind of patted itself on the back of being really kind of like a creative place for musicians and arts, but I realized that they, they actually wasn't a lot of interest in input from outside. So I kind of created this thing to try to kind of be a pipeline for bands to get in here, to get into the system here and get in people's minds here. It was a really tough road. And I think one thing that made it kind of hard for me was that I, I, I just picked a good band. I didn't care what kind of genre and what they did. I just kind of went for like, just getting quality and getting making a platform for it, and so it's very hard to, to do a label when you can't, you know, target you don't have a genre. Yeah, you're not you're like the, exactly right. You're not the noise rock yeah. label. You're not the metal label. It's exactly. like no, this this stuff is good label. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, I, I, and as far as in terms of ideally, I, I, idealism, it was, I think it was the right way to go as an artist, you know. But it, it, it was tough as a business, even though we're still doing it. And I, you know, now I, it's not such a big deal because of the internet. You can hear stuff from Finland now, you know, you can hear right. stuff from Russia. You can hear anything now. I mean, I still do it. I still feel I will do exceptional stuff. You know, part of it is I'll produce it or I'll, I'll be involved as almost like a creative partner. Uh, but it isn't quite the same as it is when it started, but, but still doing some cool stuff with it. Well, and it's interesting that you could have a label that has like, you know, Alexander of Neubatten and like, you know, yeah. Tad's bands and uh, Bruheria exactly. and like, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Right. Exactly. You know, exactly. like, Hey y'all, here's the, here's the hottest band out of Bosnia. Sounds like this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> that's right. But not necessarily a recipe for success financially. No, no. But you know, somebody has to do it. Right. I couldn't think of anybody else doing it. So, right. Somebody has to do it. I kind of feel like more kind of a weird, like there was a radio DJ in a way, you know? Yeah. Like, tune into this if you want to check something out that you probably wouldn't have never checked out before. Well, and I think there, there's 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 precedent for it, and I think there's uh, there's something there for people that are willing to maybe get out of their comfort zone. And, yeah. And, and, and trust. I would hope so. <laughs> yes. That was the theory. Yeah. <laughs> I think, and I have met people actually, and, it, and it, I have connected with people. But you know, so also I notice on the label side, really, you know, your, your communication really is with your distributor. It's not with the people who are buying the music right. necessarily. So right. you don't get that feedback. Like when you're in a band, people come to your show and they cheer. You know. Yeah. But when you're, when you're doing a label thing, it's, it, you kind of hope that it gets out there a little bit. Yeah. You, and the only your only gauge is sales, right? But a lot of people know a lot of the stuff that I put out that are. I would I wouldn't have known because the sales numbers wouldn't have told me that. So, <laughs> right. Especially now with streaming, right? You yeah, would you never know even less. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. But it's also, you know, it's that old axiom, you know, some things you do for money, some things you do for love. That's too. it. And it didn't seem That's like it. that was It's the journey, man. <laughs> exactly. It, it it didn't feel like that was like a cash in. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, I would say definitely, right? That was not a cash in. Uh so, uh, Billy, it's, it's been so great talking to you. I can't believe it's been this long. Cool. I mean, Christ. Totally. Like, what was it like? Five years ago we talked about having you on the show? Four years ago? I don't remember. Doesn't matter. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Crazy. 
honestly, it, it, it's a pleasure. Um, the, the, the last thing I've always been asking people is a pretty kind of broad-based question. You can interpret it how you like, mm-hmm. but why do you do yep. what you do? Uh, because the alternative is worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's solid. I like that. Right. I like that. All right. Uh, Billy, thanks so much, everybody. Um, right, so is, is there a, by the way, this record is incredibly yeah. hard to find, uh, as far as searching it's, <laughs> if you oh, want, I mean, if you want to find the talking book record, if you just type in talking book, I guarantee you, you you'll find the Stevie wonder record instead. Um, yeah, I, I got to work on that. Actually, that's 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 a, that's a search engine thing, isn't it? It's SEO. Yeah, I got a guy. Yeah, I got to get on that. But you? Yeah, he uh, he plays in the band. <laughs> oh man! I can hook you up. Oh, hook me up, dude. <laughs> hook me up. Um, but yeah, the, the, that's good to know, Billy. It's it, it, it's a pleasure to have you on, and yeah, uh, just look look on the internet for. What else? You guys, you, you, this is a. It's like ten years between records or something for this one. So, uh, do you have anything exactly, else in the pipeline? Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm working with a band from Chile that called Como Asesinar Felipe. I put out a few of their records. I'm just about to mix it now. They're doing great stuff in Chile, and the, the, the cool thing is they're getting a lot of respect down there. Um, so that's that's pretty exciting. Uh, I mean, we had a whole summer of touring with Faith Amor that's you know kind of. <laughs> yeah it is what it is yeah man uh that was that was my summer um but there's a lot of stuff i'm getting and also alberto you know the band La play bay right of course yeah yeah well he's got a label uh and uh he has a band called impartial let's just recorded them and i do stuff with those guys too those guys are fantastic too they're like family um you know you know and uh yeah that's pretty much it working with stuff billy gold staying busy all right Appreciate well, you, yeah, brother. Exactly. All right, man. <laughs> take care. And thanks a lot. All right. Take care, man. I appreciate it. Oh, there he goes. There he goes.
All right, we had a couple tunes there from uh, some young up-and-comers called Faith No More. It's a Land of Sunshine, followed by Evidence. After that, we had the Milk Cult song I referenced way earlier, Bo Kness Static. That's not just Billy Gould on bass. It's the fellows from Neurosis hollering away. And then uh, lastly, we had Early Sorrows, which is off of the Talking Book 2 album that's available now. Really cool stuff. Oh, what a show, what a show, what a show. Cool guy. Is this thing on? We seriously did talk about him being on the show about five years ago. Can you hear me now? And here we are. That's right. Something to be said for being the we are the show that stays around. <laughs> we are the show that outlasts other shows. Bitch! Is this thing on? <laughs> yeah, if you want to find everything Billy, uh, Cool Arrow... It's spelled uh, K-O-L-O. K-R-O-W. Um, he's a dude. You don't often see him, but when he's doing something, he's doing something. Right? The name of the show is Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. We are uh, Mr. and Mrs. America Broadcast live on Radio Note 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 p.m. Pacific Every Thursday PodcastRadioNeutron.com I've got For the archives 50,000 watts of power we are not slowing down during this epidemic. We are ramping up. Plan accordingly. Please rate the show on iTunes. Along those lines, share it around. If you like what you hear? This don't. microphone turns sound into electricity. Watch us. Can you hear me now? And, uh, Out on. Route 128, it's dark and lonely. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
to my top ten. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. It's the end of radio as we come to the close of our broadcast day.
can't believe you had the guy from Faith No More on. They just talked about this stupid fucking milk cult record. 